Welcome to Mama Bear. I'm your host, Kim Landrum. Welcome back, people. I'm excited to be back with a new episode talking about something that I think is familiar to a lot of you. Um, Got a lot of feedback on Instagram, a quick little poll that I did asking if you wanted to learn more about conquering fear. Uh, Indications point to yes, you do. Um, And fear is something that I have grappled with um, for a while. And as a parent, it's just something that I feel like is really difficult to... um, get away from and get a handle on. So I hope that this episode is helpful to you all. Um, Got a couple new and interesting topics on the horizon for you. Um, So I've got some speakers lined up to talk about tapping and also Reiki. And then next week's episode, I am addressing the five pillars of health. So if you're trying to implement just some better health practices into your lifestyle overall. Um, You've got that to look forward to next week. So I am happy to welcome my guest this week, Emily Cameron, who I'm proud to call a friend, um, but also she is one of the most accomplished and inspiring people that I know. Um, She was an All-American swimmer at UGA and graduated, you graduated in 2017, right? 2018. 2018. Stopped swimming in 17. Okay. Gotcha. And then post-grad, she dabbled in triathlon, which is where I met her and then sort of gravitated over to cycling specifically. And then most recently she rode 2,400 plus miles from the Canadian border to the Mexican border, the U S Mexican border, along the Continental Divide. And it was this gesture that I watched and followed on Instagram that made me want to reach out to her and get her to come on the podcast and talk about overcoming fear. So Emily, welcome to the show. Thanks, Kim. I'm excited to be here. Well, I'm excited to have you here. I, um, I will say that because this is my podcast, I get to bring people on that I want to talk to and address topics that are important to me. Um, But just in discussion with people, I I know that fear is just something that as women, I think we harbor probably more than men. And it's something that I have struggled with since becoming a mother And so now my man child is almost 18 years old and it's just something that has, yeah, I know. Right. It's something that has been there growing, I think for so long. And so I watch you and I watch people like you and I'm in awe of people like you. So you're this little onion to me and we're just going to kind of unravel you tonight if if you're okay with that. All right. So some people ask for the questions ahead of time. You didn't, your your response when I uh, texted you, I said, okay, we're just going to be talking about conquering fear. You said, okie dokie. And that to me is why I wanted you to come on here because you're just sort of a go with the flow kind of person. You just seem really easygoing, kind of up for anything. So 
tell us so that we have some context, kind of tell us a little bit about your upbringing and what it was. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing if I had to think you were, you're just naturally brave. So where does that come from? Um, I actually would disagree. I don't think I'm naturally brave at all. Um, okay. So I definitely think that I have become more brave as I've grown older. Um, but I definitely harbored a ton of fear and anxiety in my childhood. Uh, and more specifically when I was swimming, uh, I was probably one of the most nervous young swimmers that you would ever run into. Uh, I cried before a lot of my races and I was just, I was really a mess when I was like probably in my early teen years. Uh, and it wasn't really until I probably got to later in high school and a little bit earlier in college that I started to get a handle on my emotions and how to approach events and sports and life um, and kind of develop this sense of, I don't know, resilience, bravery, whatever you want to call it. Uh, just with life experience though, like it didn't come to me naturally by any oh, means. Okay. Well, that kind of makes me feel a little bit better because I thought she's probably just been ballsy out of the womb and, you know, this is probably easy for her. And, and I have some questions here that, that kind of touch on that. What was it like being a swimmer? So, so we'll kind of stay in that space for a second. So when, when you first started swimming and you were competing and you said that was really hard for you and you were fearful, can you talk about that? What was that like? I think I, looking back on it now, obviously when I'm, when I was like seven, eight, nine, even through like 13, you don't actually know why you're scared. Like you don't know why when you get behind the blocks or any sort of, I mean, for me, it was obviously swimming. Uh, so I, don't, I couldn't identify why when I got behind the blocks that I just would start to cry. Um, and I think it took 10 plus years of being behind the blocks and identifying just the fear of failure that I wasn't acknowledging. And I think it was kind of in me at such a young age that I just didn't want to lose. And I think I took the sport very, very seriously at a really young age. And I think that I even had my coach um, and my club team coach as I was growing up, he had to tell me to have fun before every single race um, because that was the only way that I would get up there and hopefully not lose it behind the blocks. And my college coaches also had to tell me to have fun before all my races. So that transferred on like into my early 20s, which is kind of crazy. But that was like the motto that I had to have to ch change my mindset in a way. So did just that little gesture of have fun, did, was that something that would help you focus and sort of jolt you out of that pre-race nervousness or? I think so. Uh, and I, I think, yeah, I do think that it just reminded me that if it didn't go as planned, that the people around me weren't going to necessarily be angry with me or mad at me. Uh, it was just something that was like, okay, recenter yourself and let's have fun. Let's, let's go after this. And if it's not fun, I'm not going to go fast. So if I'm going to start to cry, it's not going to be a good race. Right. It, right. Okay. I realized. I mean, at the end of the day, it's one race, right. In, in a lifetime of, of races, but I know it doesn't feel like that when your heart is beating out of your chest and yeah. Yeah. I, I get that. So at Georgia, 
higher level of competition, right? I mean, you're in a, you're in this legacy program. You're a collegiate swimmer. I would think that it was multiplied. That fear was multiplied. At at what point you said at some point you kind of got a handle on it. So what, what was it? I think honestly, it was just a switch within me that it was probably after my freshman year of college. And it was almost like I had played the victim of my own, uh, I don't want to say like inadequacy, but like I played the victim and I was like, you know, this isn't my fault that I'm feeling this way. This isn't my fault that I'm not swimming fast. It's not my fault that freshman year didn't go as I thought it would. Um, and then something in me switched and I was like, oh, I'm responsible for my mindset, my routine, my, how I approach everything really in my life. And I think it just, something went off in me after freshman year and I was able to kind of get a handle on all of it. Um, and once I started having more confidence in myself as a person, not just as a swimmer, that also transferred over, uh, into the pool. So, okay. So just sort of taking responsibility, I guess, and having some authority over, okay, well, if I do this, I can have a sense of control over part of the outcome. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, So I've known you, I I was trying to think how long has it actually been? I don't know, five-ish years or something like that, I think. And in that time, I've watched you make a lot of very confident decisions. What, What I would label as confident decisions. I think they're very mature for your age. Um, and I'll, I'll just give you an example. So we kind of knew each other peripherally. And I think we were introduced because you were in, you were invited to the CRP program, which is USA triathlons college recruitment program, which is a, a big deal. You were identified and kind of pulled into that program and you did a couple of races in the draft legal format, which is a very specific style of triathlon. And you knew pretty quickly, you were like, nope, this, that, that, that format's not for me. And then you did some 70.3s. So longer distance, you had immediate success in both of these, but again, you were like, nope. And for me to watch you take control and say, I want my life to look like this and have the courage to do that. You you may not think it was a really big deal, but I have a lot of respect for you for being able to look at those situations and say, I don't think that suits me. Yeah. Well, thank you. Uh, I think it wasn't just me. It was the people around me that helped me realize that too. Uh, And just seeing what went into get those results um, I wasn't necessarily happy with the process of it. And so I think at the end of the day, when I, you know, had that success, but then I took a step back and I was like, well, is this like you're saying, is this really what I want my life to look like, like five, 10, 15 years down the line? Like, do I want to pursue this as something that, and if I'm going to do something like that, I'm going to go all in. So it would have been my life, you know? Right. Uh, and I think I just realized that I wanted more and triathlon was not the more. So there must be something in you that gives you the confidence though, to be able to say, 
I don't think this suits me, you know, to have the confidence to know that, okay, well, if I want something else, I've got the power and the fortitude to go get it. I think that kind of goes back to like the way, I guess my parents never really set boundaries on what I could do. It was always kind of like, it's bound, it's boundless. Like you are boundless. Um, And I think that has really helped me as an adult when I look back because I don't really think anything is too far out of my reach, which in some ways in real life is not a good mindset because it makes things seem like they're a lot closer to me than they actually are, or they're more possible than they actually are. And so then when you get into the process of it and I'm like, oh no, but I always kind of just trust that there is going to be something else or whatever I'm going after next is, is just a part of the journey, you know, and it's, it's, it's worth it. Yeah. Well, I love that because you're right. If you don't reach the initial end goal, there's usually something else there along the way that really defines it and makes it, makes it worth it. Um, Okay. So I mentioned in the intro that last summer you biked the continental divide and you, there, I'm going to refer at the end of this episode to the Iron Woman podcast that you did because you go into detail with that. And I, I don't want to, I want to talk to you about fear and the, the other part of that journey. So I'll, I'll reference that and send people there so they can hear the details of it. But just to give everyone sort of the overview, we said 2,400 plus miles. I know it took you 30 something days. You went through Montana, Wyoming, New Mexico. I mean, many states. I was counting. I looked at the route. 70-ish miles a day. You're carrying all the stuff. It's self-supported. So you're carrying your tent, your food, your all of this. What in the hell made you want to do this? Uh, so I had kind of stumbled upon the, they call it the Great Divide mountain biking route, uh, probably about a year and a half ago. And at the time I was with someone who it can have been tossed around that we would do it together. Uh, but I think I was always kind of the one that was pushing for it a little bit more than he was. And it just so happened that in, I guess, October, when I started a new job, I just started to look more and more at it. And at this point I was not with this person and I was like, well, really the only thing holding me back at this point is my own ego. And if I want to do this, I have to make it happen. Like there's going to be no one else in this world, not, I shouldn't say world, but there's not going to be many people that I know of that would join me because no one really has the time, the money or the ability to embark on a journey like that. Um, unless they're really specifically training for it. And so I kind of just made the call in January, or I guess it was probably was late February, actually, um, where I was able to get the time off work. And I just worked my butt off for seven months. I worked weekends um, just to like save up money. Uh, and I just continued doing what I always do with like uh, exercising and whatnot. I just kind of maintained a baseline level. But truly, it was just me trusting that everything was going to work out while I was out there. Um, and that everything that I've done in the past has worked out. And so I just kind of trusted that I was going to meet people. And obviously like all the fear that I had 
which I can get into, but it was there. It was there the whole time. It was there when I committed to the trip, when I was driving out there and while I was doing it. So, but you did it anyway. Yeah. Right. Regardless of all those fears, which I think is just monumental because that's where most of us stop is that we would just say, well, that, that scares me. So end of story. So you drove out there, you drove to Montana, Mm -hmm. right? By yourself? No, I had a friend with me. Okay. Yeah. And so it, and I was watching all of this and you all should go back. I highly encourage everyone. We'll, we'll give you Emily's um, handle on Instagram and you should go back and you should see um, her documentation of this because it's just, it's amazing. And you'll just be in awe. So y'all drove out there together. And then it, was it the girl that was on the trip with you that rode? No, no, no. Yeah. It was a friend from um, back home. Okay. And you weren't doing, there is an official, like a quote unquote race, right? There's the tour race and you were going on the same route, but you weren't in the race. Correct. Okay. And you would just meet people along the way. Is that what happened? Yeah. So, um, my whole plan was to arrive out there in time to leave with the grand depart, which is when the race starts with the hopes that, because of leaving with that group, I was going to be able to meet people easier. Um, and if I'm starting with say there was a hundred people at the start and I was like, there has to be at least like four or five, you know, that I'm going to be at the same pace with. And, uh, it turns out that I did have my friend Deborah join me for about three days and then she was injured. Um, but in those three days I managed to kind of connect with probably like a couple different groups of people. Um, and so to be like completely candid, I was never really alone on the trip. Um, I never intended it to be like a solo, solo journey journey. Like I wanted to meet people, both riders and locals in the towns that I was in. Uh, and I think the whole process of meeting the people and hearing their stories and experiencing the ride with them as well, uh, it gave me more confidence as a human and as a girl and a woman. And so that, that overall experience was awesome. Because if I, if I were to sit here and say, okay, Emily list all the fears you had, you know, driving all the things that were just kind of rifling through your head, I'm I'm sure that list was a mile long and I'm sure that it evolved right as the trip went on. Oh yeah. Am I going to die? Number one. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Well, I survived this. Yeah. Like, like what's going to happen? Am I going to get eaten by a bear? Is there going to be weird people along the way, like weird men following you? Um, you know, am I going to get enough to eat? Is my body going to give out? Like it goes on and on and on and on. Yeah. And I remember, I mean, I'm sitting there and I'm watching you and I'm, and I'm knowing that you're out there and that this is happening. And those were all the things that were going through my mind is not just the mechanical and the technical and the logistical things, but, you know, just knowing you and her, are you safe? And yeah, you know, snakes and bears and wild animals and just people and yeah. Right. Um, And I remember you did post a picture. I can't remember whether it was like how far after the fact it was, but something about a bear encounter, right. You want to tell us about that? Yeah. So that was actually day one. Uh, 
30 miles into the trip, we were in the, it was right outside of the border of US and Canada. And we were going towards Glacier. And that's kind of like grizzly territory. Uh, and we were riding along with, when I say we, I'm, t- I'm referring to my friend Deborah. Uh, we were riding along with a guy who actually lived in Whitefish. And so we were just chatting about the town that we were going to end up in and whatnot. And we're going up this pretty narrow gravel road that's pretty deep in to, to the forest. Uh, and it's pretty rocky and whatnot. And there's a really large drop off to the right hand side. And I'm behind the two of them and suddenly I see like a nose and then I see a head and then I see a body come up from the right, right hand side. And it's 10 feet in front of us. It's not far at all. Um, and I like, can't form the words to like, you know, like I'm like, (laughs) and of course it's this massive, it turned out to be a male grizzly bear. Uh, he was very, very, very large. Um, but he looked at us and then he turned around and just started like sauntering up the trail and because it was the first day there was lots of riders behind us so it ended up being a group of like 15 to 20 riders with bear spray out walking along the road just like following this bear as he is walking as well um but it was kind of one of those situations where we also got very lucky because we were reaching the top of a pass and so there was a car at the top already and it had cookies for the riders and he actually backed up and shield shielded all of us from where the bear was on the other side of the road so that was one of those things where it's like okay so that's how the trip's going to go because one we saw a bear within the first 30 miles of the trip but two there was something great that came out of it cookies and a shield So it's like you have the balance that was present already in the first, it's like super scary, but also like, wow, right. It's going to provide. Right. So, uh, you know, I would almost think that after that happened, there would be this exhale of, okay, how much worse could it get than that happening, you know, right out of the gate? Yeah. You know? Okay. Yeah, there was, but it never, I was always on my feet. (laughs) Okay. So you, you finished that trip and, you know, again, we, I could sit here and say, well, tell me another scary story and tell me another one. And I'm sure you could go on and on and on, but you finished and, um, which is again, amazing. And I really encourage everybody to go look at her, um, pictures and just read the captions and and kind of get a sense of what that was like for Emily. But so now you've done this really monumental thing. And so I have to know, I mean, did that help? That had to have given you so much confidence and make you feel so capable that, you know, does that remove fear from your life at all? When you start to think about other things that you want to do, do you feel now more enabled, more capable, more fearless? Yeah, I definitely do. Uh, I think that's probably one of the biggest takeaways from the entire trip. Uh, I think it gave me a sense of independence that I've never had before. Uh, And just confidence in my ability as a solo woman. And I think that's super important for people at any age, especially women who want to go out and do things that may just seem out of reach because of their own fear. 
Um, I just didn't want to look back and one day, like, I want to tell my kids that I did this, you know, and like encourage them to put themselves in situations like that where, yeah, it's going to, there's potential for danger and all these things, but in the end, it's also a huge catalyst for growth as a human. So totally. And there's, there's a trade-off there. And I mean, I don't have to tell you that if we never take the chance, then we're never going to have the experience. Right. So there's, there's that, but you know, what, what you said aligns perfectly where I've just recently, because again, I'm, I battle my own fear and um, I even worked with someone on some tapping, which will be another podcast episode, but it's to sort of um, reprogram my, my nervous system and sort of tamper down some of that fear that, that I've just carried around for so long. And, but in, in learning about fear, I read something about micro bravery and you have to kind of take the, you know, bite it off in chunks and you, you bit it off (laughs) in a really big way. Right. But, um, so I don't know if that's maybe it's, uh, I don't know if it's micro bravery, but that's kind of just like all out there bravery. But is that what you feel like you have kind of done is like you did a, I know you did a three day, uh, and you know, you kind of built up to your bravery. I would say I did bite off a big chunk of bravery. Um, the three-day trip was definitely, it gave me some confidence, but I think I I bit off a lot and I knew I was biting off a lot, but it's kind of like with everything that I've done, it's like, if I'm going to do this, I want to do it big. Uh, and then in turn, I'm rewarded with a lot as well. Um, I think if I hadn't finished, there would have been some things that I had to work through, but at the same time, there's things that I'm still working through, even though I did finish. So it's like, I gained a lot and I've also, I gained a lot of just perspective on things. Gotcha. So then is there anything left that, that scares you? I mean, what still scares you after that? I mean, heights, (laughs) um, I don't know. I think one of my biggest things was I feel like I've developed a distrust in humans and people in a way. Um, I love to meet them, but I immediately tend to close off. And it was just interesting to be on a trip where everybody was just so open, locals, riders, and it kind of restores your faith in humanity that people exist out there that are still very, very different from me. But at the core of them, we're all like, we were the same, you know, it's like just this love of people and community. And I think that was one of the bigger things that I took away was definitely just eliminating the fear of, I guess, relationship in a way. Well, that that's a beautiful way to segue into your other project and that this will be a nice way to just sort of wrap up this conversation because you, you have a a side hustle, right? The -hmm. local Athenian. Do you want to talk about that at all? Because it's a celebration of relationships with people that you didn't know prior to, to photographing them and speaking to them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just a project uh, where every Sunday I post a story along with um, some photos of 
someone that I've either been connected with or I ran and would randomly meet. Uh, and I just basically meet up with them and I talk about their story and the town that we live in, which is Athens, Georgia. Uh, and the goal in the beginning was to figure out if this community and this place was where I wanted to be long-term. Um, and I thought there'd be no way, no better place to, to figure out or figure that question out than to go directly to the people that have been here. Uh, and I was like, I want to find what makes this community whole and just learn to trust and interact and have free flowing conversation with someone that I've never met before. And it has been absolutely amazing. It's like every week that I, I interact and talk with someone, I'm, I come back and I'm just completely filled up and I'm just like, this is the coolest thing. One of the coolest things I've ever done. And I get to do it every week and no one's telling me I have to do it. And I get to share them. I share the stories with, with people who want to read them. And it's just a really amazing thing. Well, it's been fun to watch both your eye behind the camera develop because I think that visual growth has, it's evident. And that's really been just kind of magical to watch that. And you're a wonderful storyteller. Thanks. So um, I'll make sure that I tag both of those, both your personal account and then um, that account as well so that people can go follow that. And then the last thing that I wanted to ask you um, was if you have any recommendations for people that are also trying to work through their own fear. I think like you were talking about just starting small. Uh, but at the same time, I would also just encourage them to jump in and whatever it is that they're kind of avoiding or they're, they're scared of doing. It's like, all it takes is, you know, purchasing a book about it and reading about it some more. Uh, you can talk to as many people as you want about it, but ultimately it's like, it's just your own head that's stopping you. It's like your own little tiny brain that's telling you that you can't do it. So I think when you can get past that barrier, you can really do anything. We're always our own worst enemy, aren't we? It's wild. Gosh. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. I know this has been a long, exhausting day for you. You had coaching prior to this and, you know, she is a busy gal, but thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. I know that it will be helpful to people that listen to this. Again, I hear this conversation all the time, especially from the mamas out there. Mm -hmm. that just, you know, want to protect all the beings in our, in our life. And we can't. So, um, you know, anything that, that you've got here that can help us overcome that fear and be a little bit more brave, I think is really wonderful. So thank you so much. And, yeah. um, again, I'll tell everybody what both of your Instagram, your personal one is it's ECAM, ECAM 44. Yep. Okay. And then local Athenian is local Athenian. Just no underscores or anything like that. Okay. I'll tag them both. All right. You have a great night. It was great Thanks. to see you. It was great to see you too. When will All I right. see you? Oh, bye. In per <laughs> no, in person, right? Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. All right. I'll, I'll hit stop on the recording. Okay. okay.
I hope you enjoyed that and got as much out of it as I did. I was really surprised by some of her answers and just made the assumption incorrectly that she was just naturally adventurous and thrill-seeking and, you know, not fearful of much. And so as you heard, that was not the case. And, you know, it was bravery was something that she really had to work on. So I think that concept of micro bravery is something that we can all take with us if conquering fear is something that's that's important to us going forward. So anyway, I hope that um, this episode was helpful. I hope that all of these episodes are helpful to you in, in some small way. I did reference another podcast with more detailed information about Emily's experience on the Tour Divide. And that podcast is called Iron Woman EN podcast. And it is, let's see, episode nine on July 22nd. It's called Finding Joy with Emily Cameron. And that will tell you much more about the details of her tour. And um, she was giving Olympic predictions and all that. So it's just a really good episode as well. And, um, features another former UGA swimmer and good friend Haley Chura. So um, just want to support those UGA grads as much as possible. Take care. I hope you all have a great weekend. <laughs>